You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hello, I'm your host, Ruth Dale, and I'm delighted to welcome here today, Carrie-Anne Wade. Carrie-Anne is the founder of Cat's Pajamas, but she's also by day a director of communications in the NHS. So she really does walk the talk and know what she's talking about. And this episode is dedicated to building confidence and motivation within our roles as communications and marketing officers. When I was speaking with Carrie about the episode and the theme, really and truly, what we see in our training is that capability is so high. You guys are amazing experts at what you do, but often it's actually navigating the systems we work in and working alongside very senior management, which is the bit where we can come unstuck. And so in response to that, we invited Carrie-Anne because we've been following her cat's pajamas work, getting a lot of FOMO, and she looks just awesome and incredible at that very thing. So I will hand over now to Carrie-Anne to introduce herself. Oh, welcome, Carrie-Anne. Thank Carrie you, Ruth. What a welcome. I do hope I don't disappoint after that build up, <laughs> Ruth. But thank you so much for inviting me onto this episode. When you talked about what you might want to cover in this conversation, it absolutely struck a chord with me. So as you say, I'm, I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And by day, I'm Director of Communications and Engagement in the NHS. And in the rest of the time that I can find, um, I uh, mentor communications professionals through Cat's Pajamas, which is my company. And it's my absolute passion to support other communicators to really grow and thrive in their careers. So this topic of conversation feels right up my streets. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Carrie-Anne. So we're going to have a really conversational style, really relaxed and just enjoy the next half an hour. But Carrie-Anne, before we get started on the coaching side, how did you come up with the name Cat's Pajamas? <laughs> oh, so anybody who knows me well knows that I love all things Art Deco. And in a previous life, I'm sure I was a flapper because oh. I love the flapper girls. So for me, I wanted something that was a bit quirky, but unusual, but maybe represented a bit of my love for vintage. And actually, Cat's Pajamas is a saying which used to be referred to as a bit like the bee's knees, being the best of the best. So I really hope that when communications professionals work with me, they feel like they're able to, to be the cat's pyjamas in the world of comms and really start presenting their best selves. Oh, I love that. That is incredible. <laughs> and what a compliment to give someone. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. So let's dive right in, Carrie-Anne. What do you think are the biggest barriers and blocks and are they unique to our profession? Or is it an age thing? Where would you start in unpacking the sort of barriers to advancing in our careers? So I absolutely think you hit the nail on the head earlier, Ruth. The capability, the knowledge, the professionalism that sits within the communications industry, I think is absolutely there and it's huge. But speaking from my own personal experience um, and the experience of other communicators that I work with, either through through my day job or through Cat's Pajamas, there's definitely a bit of it for me that's about confidence. Confidence to position yourself as an expert in your field and really step up into that expertise within your organization. There's definitely a bit in the industry that I work within around, I guess, how other people in our organizations perceive communications and marketing. 
and whether or not it holds the same kudos and kind of level of seniority in the eyes of others compared to other professions. So obviously, I work in healthcare the majority of my time. So, you know, that might be clinical professions, or that could be HR finance. I think there's probably a bit of a lack of understanding sometimes within some organisations and some leadership teams about the kind of strategic impacts that having really good communications professionals working with you can have for your organisation. Oh, thanks. So, carrie Ann, your first point was about positioning yourself as an expert. So, if we just linger on that first, because that's absolutely lovely. Could you kind of explain a little bit more and unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, in my own experience and what I hear from some other communicators is there's definitely this sense that comms, I use inverted commas there, comms is there to do all the nice pretty stuff and fluff things up and make things look nice and do the poster, do the newsletter, send the tweets. And so, I think there's something about demonstrating into your organisations that higher level of expertise that the comms profession brings. And for me, that's really about understanding what your organizational sort of strategic objectives are, where communications can have a real impact, and then being able to kind of demonstrate that impact back into the organization. So I think, you know, using evidence, using data, and I know data for me, used to make my shoulders hunch right up to my ears because I'm like, oh, this is all about <laughs> numbers and scientific stuff. That's not my world because I love words. But but there is definitely something about kind of using that data, being able to quantify A, what it is that really good communications input into a project or an organization can deliver, and then being able to measure that and measure that in a way that is meaningful to other people. So I find quite often communicators can kind of easily demonstrate outputs in terms of like, you know, this is the number of interactions we've had on social media with this content. But actually, I think really to start positioning ourselves as people who have impact within our organization, we need to demonstrate outcomes. So actually, what was the outcome we were trying to achieve in partnership, maybe with clinicians on a project, and how have communications helped to deliver that outcome? Oh, I love that. So of course, because I look at everything from a behavioral science perspective, I love that idea that actually using the theory can help and add value. It can elevate what you're doing in the eyes of your stakeholders and your immediate colleagues. So just grounding what we're doing. And yeah, because evaluation's always been the one, isn't it? We've Sometimes we avoid it. Sometimes it's done quite late. Sometimes we skip process evaluation completely, you know, as you're going through. When you do use the theory, it does give you the opportunity to capture and shift towards outcomes as opposed to, you know, just going for the wonderful, what do they call them? The something metrics, not the glory metrics, but the ones that just make everyone feel happy. You know, I reached 2 million people. It's the tick boxes, isn't it? Around, yeah, like, yeah I can see that that tweet did this or I can see that. And, and I think your point about, you know, using the theory and being able to evidence kind of outcomes is also really important in the learning because it also helps us potentially, I think, to say no to things in the future because everyone thinks they're an expert in communications, don't they? But they're not all yeah. communications professionals. And actually, we need a screensaver. We need this. We need a pop-up. We need that. And it's like, 
actually taking it back to what is it that you're trying to achieve and we can actually demonstrate from another project that we've supported that these are actually the the methods and the tools that will help us to reach the outcome that, that you want to reach I think is really important. Yeah like you say and then you can share it there's something that you can share to the wider community saying this works and this doesn't But also there is something there about, like you said, in the eyes of the colleagues for them to understand that actually assets and, you know, a long list of beautiful assets doesn't actually achieve, in my mind, behavior change and actually working with them collaboratively to even establish a behavior change. I think when you do use the theory, it gives you the opportunity to actually segment and say to your colleagues, who are you targeting? and why, and what do you want them to do? And it could help you shift beyond, you know, this whole residence or all patients or, everyone. you know, everyone. Targeting everyone <laughs> oh, like the worst possible response from somebody. Exactly. <laughs> I know, everyone. And then it's so hard to push back. But if you use the theory, you can you say, well, we know, and, you know, the expertise yeah. in the field and, you know, yeah, especially things like Combi, that's their perfect to say. And these theories are actually respected, tend to be by clinicians and public health. They actively used. So almost like as a profession, we're tapping in and using their language a little bit like we would expect. Well, we would do that so naturally for our audiences, wouldn't we? Try and reflect their language. And so something about reflecting our colleagues' language. So, yeah, you you mentioned, so we've sort of dilly-dallied around the fact that everyone thinks they can do comms, you know. <laughs> and everyone comes in last minute, creative stage, and oh, And that's normally when you find out that you're on a completely different page to everyone as well. Carry on, what sort of advice do you give to your mentees around this subject? I guess very specifically, because we do talk a lot with different um, communications colleagues who, who work with us at Cat's Pajamas around kind of how to get the best out of things. For me, in a very specific example about working with other colleagues, it would be about nailing the brief and being really clear around kind of scoping what's actually required and what you can deliver to have impact. But I think more in line with what we've been talking about more broadly, I guess what I see is just a lot of people having that knowledge and being, you know, knowing the theories, knowing that behavioural change science can help, for example, but maybe just not having the confidence to articulate that and not feeling like they have a voice at the table. So quite a lot of the work I do with communications professionals who work with me in, in a mentoring capacity is really about understanding personally for them what some of those blockers might be and trying to help kind of give them techniques and tools to overcome those and just really think about how they can build their confidence and and build their voice. And as we said at the start, as an expert communicator in their field. I love that. So you would work with people on an individual basis to identify their personal barriers and then, you know, recommend bespoke ways for them. Absolutely. So we have an opportunity to work one-to-one, which is brilliant. And I love to do that, but also been running a program called Thrive. So I hope you don't mind me giving that a plug, Ruth. Yes, yes. um, Thrive. We run a program called Thrive, which is a a 12-week online group mentoring program where we bring together um, communicators 
online in a Greek setting and it's a virtually facilitated program which basically does look at identifying blockers and barriers to where you want to go next in your communications career and the focus definitely um, has been around a number of different things so confidence is, is one of them and, and finding that voice and using that voice and understanding you know why that's an issue but but the bonus of doing that through the Thrive programme is that you're with other communicators who've had similar experiences. So people actually get that peer support and kind of feel more supported to explore in a safe space. But we also talk a lot about boundary setting, kind of managing the overwhelm, because we have so many demands on us as communicators to be involved in, in lots of different projects across our organisations being more intentional and then then the bit for me that I think is really important is about how we celebrate both our personal and our team successes into the organization and really demonstrating that value that communications can deliver. Oh wow so Thrive is a 12-week program it's online yes and the people are in a very safe space where they sort of with peers who understand and get it but you're still working on your own sort of breakthroughs your own journey as it were. Absolutely. And and what was really interesting in the last cohort of the programme that, that we ran was actually just having that opportunity to vocalise some of those barriers and blockers and have that space and time to think about how to overcome them with the support of others who have experienced similar things really came out as as a confidence builder for people actually because people are like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad it's not just me. Because I think sometimes, you know, communicators can feel a bit like they're banging their heads against a brick wall. And, oh, what you know, why is it always me that has this challenge of being able to present comms, you know, as a sort of strategic value in the organisation, for example. And actually, when you hear that other people are facing the same challenges, I think that kind of boosts your morale, weirdly, in a strange way, because you're like, it isn't just me that's experiencing this. And you get a bit of group think and a, a bit of group mentality around kind of trying to find some ways through that, which is brilliant. But I won't get on my soapbox about that because I, I do <laughs> I do feel like that, you know, one of my big things, particularly through my day job that NHS colleagues might have heard me go on about a lot is, you know, demonstrating the strategic value of, of communications into organisations and really trying to position communicators at the top table and and ultimately I hope Mm. that's what communicators who go through the Thrive program are aspiring to do at some point in their career. Yeah no that's fantastic I wrote down three bullets as you were talking so you get confidence and peer support there's also boundary setting and then celebrating success so boundary setting have you got any really quick tips for boundary setting that you could share? Literally don't apologize for it. My number one tip is don't apologize for setting a boundary because I think people feel really guilty when they have to say, no, I'm really sorry, I don't have capacity to deliver that. And I just think don't start with an apology. Just be really intentional with the fact that you are setting a boundary. And it's always for the greater good. I think there's there's always an opportunity to frame a boundary in a more positive way. And I think people often see setting boundaries is something negative and a bit icky and actually it's about being able to manage your capacity and the demands on your time to be able to deliver the very best communication outcomes yeah actually if you explain that and the reason why potentially if one of your boundaries is not taking on more work at the last minute it's you know it's very easy to get caught up in feeling bad and wanting to people please but actually if you set that boundary with an explanation as to why 
And there's always an opportunity to revisit things and negotiate. But I think, yeah, just don't be apologetic about boundary setting. Sorry, that wasn't 10 seconds. Really. Oh, yeah. No, that's brilliant. I'm thinking of so many things. <laughs> We're digressing into a coaching session. I'm like, okay, boundary setting. Don't apologize. Honestly, you can set yourself the challenge. Today, I'm not going to start my sentences with sorry, even if it's email. You know, it's like, oh, today. And how many times? I can give you a top tip for email. So, you know, when you've got those emails that you just haven't been able to get to, and then you start your email that says, sorry that I haven't got back to you sooner. Don't just say, say, thank you for your patience. That's my new, thank you for your patience. And then, yeah, don't just, yeah, don't, don't apologize for it. Okay, so there may be a few people out there who get emails from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you I've for your away, patience. I've given away what I do now, haven't I? It's it's well, like when yeah. I say to my team, this is a really good development opportunity. And now they go, is it just something you don't really want to do, carry on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to do this productivity thing because we've just been finishing off a lot of writing and um, where you don't go on email. So you close it down, focus on what you're doing. But then, of course, I'm going, oh, going back and don't get through and everything. So I love that. Thank you. So celebrating success. Now, I think this is something we do really badly. And the thing is, we do it so brilliantly for everyone else. It's almost like we function so well in people pleaser mode. But when it comes to pushing ourselves and marketing ourselves, we don't. And I was so delighted to be part of the NHS Awards Communicate Awards last year. And I think that was like the first time that I knew of anyway, there was something quite on a national scale to say thank you. So yeah, any tips for this? Why don't we do this, Carrie-Anne? I think, again, it's that thing where we just feel a bit icky when it's about ourselves. And actually, like you say, we are the experts in this because we do it on behalf of so many others in our organisations that we, you know, it should be second nature to us to do it. But I think most communicators are very humble individuals and they don't necessarily feel like you know, perhaps they deserve that praise. But I guess on an individual level as a communicator, I think one of the really good things to do is to keep a sort of brag file. When people give you good feedback, keep it and share it. So when you're having your one-to-ones with your, you know, line managers or various different conversations about appraisals or objective setting, have to hand some of that really great feedback that you've had. Because if people are giving it to you directly, that's brilliant but they might not be giving it to your chief executive or whoever it is that line manages you. And it's really important that those people see that feedback. You know, I called it a brag file, which probably sounds a bit a bit horrible to some people. It's not about bragging. It's about making sure the people that you work with get to see the feedback from others about what you can do. And it is always better for that feedback to come directly from the people that you're working with. So I think save all of that and share it. And that would be my individual tip. And somebody actually on the last Thrive program decided they were going to print off some feedback that they'd had really positive feedback and they put it on their notice board above their laptop and they were working from home. So when they had a bad day, they could just look up and go, actually, no, I do make a positive impact and people do appreciate what I do, which I thought was lovely. Yes. Um, And then I guess on on a wider level in terms of your team or, or your service, you know, it's like looking at opportunities to be able to demonstrate the successes. So we talked about sort of project successes and and metrics and evaluation, and that's really important. But what I've seen work well that some of my colleagues in in different organizations in the NHS do is deliver things like a communications annual report to their board. 
So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be lengthy, but just making sure you are demonstrating to senior leaders in your organization where your service is having an impact and how you're collaborating with others in the organization. And, you know, I upcycled that idea from the fabulous Ross Wiggum. He shared one of his with me a few years ago and I stole with pride, which I think comms people are really good at. I think we're very good sharers and did the same thing with my board in my organization. And it actually really surprised me how many of the board members, particularly non-executives, were like, I hadn't realized how many different things your department get involved in and how many different things you deliver. Because why would we? We're often the sort of unsung heroes in the backgrounds supporting everyone else but I think it is really important for them to to kind of have a real sense of the variety of work that we're involved in in our organizations and if you don't tell them you can't expect them to remember really the same way we can never remember what other departments are doing you know the breadth and scope of their work yeah no it's so true I love that idea because I was in the social enterprise world for a bit And it's almost a necessity. You have to do an impact report at the end of the year. So you're expected to, it's a bit the same as a comms annual report, but it's lovely because it's impactful from your audience perspective or, you know, where you've made a positive difference. I love impact. Yeah. I might cycle that with pride this time around. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I would suggest if even if you just Google social enterprise impact reports, you will see some wonderful creative, you know, Clearly, it depends what the organization is doing and everything, but there's some amazing stuff out there. It's really something where you can just show to everyone. And it does, again, it's all about reinforcing yourself as an expert, as, you know, this is an expert position. So go away and stop stop playing with my copy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. I'm not playing with you anymore. Leave my copy alone. <laughs> yes. I know. And for any doubters out there, that's why theory really does work because people do respect it. Once you can position yourself as an expert, people will back off, I think. Absolutely. Um, While you mentioned theory, Ruth, can I just take us on a slight divergence? And I hope you oh, don't yeah. mind me mentioning your boot camp because my oh, no. team in my day job, my team in my day job undertook your marketing behavioral change boot camp not that long ago and actually do you know that was just brilliant for us because I also think that when you're embedded in an organization that has lots going on and you're involved in so many different projects sometimes you can take your eye off the ball a bit and sometimes it can be about just you know get through the work get through the work and and not taking that time to reflect and think about the theory and think about the evaluation and actually doing your boot camp was just such a huge reminder for our team about how important it is to apply the theory and how important it is to do that evaluation so I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you because it was such a brilliant day and and even though some of it was stuff that was in our heads from some time ago we were going oh actually tomorrow when I'm working on this project I'm going to use this to help them understand why we won't be doing that from a comms point of view for example and it was just such a brilliant reminder for people we all had stuff we could take away from it oh thank you Carrie-Anne I'm blushing I'm so glad it's not (laughs) video recorded but no thank you because it is brilliant with the team sessions we have the lives but the team sessions you can center around projects and you have a fantastic fantastically talented team there. And it was a great day. You know, this is how this episode came about because we see in all of the training, the capabilities there, even if we use Combi as our thing, capabilities there, opportunities there, but it's the motivation. 
And I think a lot of that is around the confidence and all the issues we've discussed. So no, that's really kind because behavioral science does have that effect where you do start thinking, oh yeah, I knew that, or I've been, I've been using social norms for years and it can just inject a bit more passion and understanding the why and how it's so good can just reinforce a lot of things, which you can then relate back into the organization. And also you can say, look, this is a behavioral science approach. So don't change anything. <laughs> says this, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh no, that's so kind of you to mention. Thank you, Carrie Ann. So just, I was also thinking as you were talking about your, you work with a lovely lady and I've got my notes here, Lee Griffiths on Take the Lead, because essentially this is what we're talking about is stepping up and taking the lead, isn't it? As an expert. Absolutely. And I'm so delighted to be able to collaborate with Lee because we I've worked in the same field for some time and then became friends and like, how do we get to work with each other? And, and Lee is now a leadership strategist and, and leadership coach through Sunday Skies. And we often used to find ourselves when we became friends, you know, going out and doing something on a Saturday and having lunch. And it was usually over a gin and tonic, if I'm honest with you, where we'd start talking nice. about that whole you know, comms needs to be positioned more strategically in organizations. And, you know, comms has the ability to, you know, really be focused in that leadership space, but sometimes we're not taken seriously enough. So, you know, what can we do about it? And and take the lead was kind of born out of that really, where we decided to start publicly, gulp, um, having some unfiltered conversations around leadership, um, not specifically communications, but I think communications generally is such a big part of being a good leader, but also talking about the fact that, you know, sometimes in leadership positions, you don't see people that resonate so well with you. You're potentially expected to be a certain way as a leader. And actually, for us, we felt like it was really important to be authentic in your leadership style and start to have some of those conversations and and challenge those stereotypes. So yeah, that was where Take the Lead was born. And I've been really pleased that, you know, quite lots of communications colleagues have tuned into different episodes of Take the Lead and said, oh yeah, that really resonates with me. And here's what I've done in that situation. And, And hopefully it's just sharing some advice and support for people around kind of how to step into that leadership space, particularly if you're new to it. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, I think, because and often it's about how to hold the space, isn't it? Because then as a leader, you feel like you need to create the space for others to step in. But holding it during such difficult times, the last couple of years has just been bonkers. So I, I, think, I think if there's been one positive out of the last few years, sorry to interrupt you, Ruth, though, I, I think the pandemic, particularly in the field of healthcare in, in which I work in uh, during the day, it's definitely helped to position communications more strategically. And I think it's helped others in organizations to see the value that really good, strong communications can have in an organization. So as much as I know the pandemic's brought lots of unhappiness and discontent and everyone's really exhausted from a communications point of view, I think, you know, we really need to maximize on on the fact that others in our organization perhaps saw the light a little bit when it came to, you know, where comms should be positioned within organizations. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always good to tease out the positives, like you say, (laughs) celebrate what you can when you can, don't delay. (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I love your phrase that you just said then, unfiltered conversations. I love that. That's all what we need sometimes, isn't it? Yes. So thank you. Really appreciate it. And you gave some top tips there for people. So I'll just remind everyone about their top tips. 
So the boundary setting, don't forget, set your boundaries and don't apologize for it and celebrate your success. So if I could leave people with three top sort of tips and and career progression as, as communicators, I would say build your network. We should be really good at that. So really build your network, whether that's with other communicators or outside of the profession. I think that's like such an important thing to do in terms of peer support, mentoring, guidance, building your confidence. Say yes to as many opportunities as you're able, but in the parameters of your boundaries. <laughs> but sometimes you can say yes to things that surprise you know surprise you and, and lead to other development opportunities. And where you possibly can just as individuals invest in yourself. Um, there's lots of free free stuff out there in terms of knowledge and you know, stuff that you can access through podcasts, books, whatever, you know, to support your development as, as well as stuff that obviously you can pay for or hopefully your organisation can pay for um, to support your development as a communicator. So they would be my three kind of three top tips for comms people hoping to progress in their careers. That's fantastic. Thank you, carrie That's amazing. We're so grateful you come on. We well, you're very brilliant. We were saying at the beginning, you're so brilliant on social. So you're very accessible. <laughs> so if people have questions about Thrive, they can grab you on LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn on Twitter I- is Carrie Ann Wade. You can find me on there or you can get me on Twitter or Instagram at catspjs underscore UK if you want to follow the cat's pajamas stuff. But yeah, I share it all personally too. Um, so yeah, reach out to me across any of the socials and I'll be more than happy to have conversations yeah. with people. Thank you. And we'll pop that all in the show notes as well. And we'll pop the links in so people can click through. And so just to finish on well, I hope you, how do you use the phrase cat's pyjamas? Is it, I hope you are a cat's pyjamas? I hope you have a nice cat's pyjamas day. How do you use it? I I would say you you are going to be the cat's pyjamas. So I hope you have a cat's pyjamas kind of weekend. And thank you for being the cat's pyjamas in the world of marketing behavioral change. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. Thanks so much, Carrie Ann. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Reese. Bye. Thank you so much, Carrie Ann. And especially thank you, thank you for the lovely, lovely words about bootcamp team training. We really appreciate it. We absolutely love putting on the team training days. So if you are interested, please do give me a bell. We make them work for you. We look at your priorities, your challenges, and then design it bespoke. So everyone goes away happy and actually have ticked some things off the to-do list. So it's not just a training day, we can get stuff done, but also we've been working with some teams where actually people have never met. You know, they may have been working remotely together for a year, but people haven't met physically. So actually, it's been really, really important to build those relationships. And also, if you are starting on a behavior change marketing campaign, it's just so fantastic to start on the same page at the same level. We'll save so much time further down the road, especially if you're a new integrated care system or you're working across partnerships. You know, you can all come together as a team. We have done that with some local resilience forums. Oh gosh, that was back a while ago now when COVID was still in full swing. But it does work really well. So when we say team, it's what works for you, whether it's your departmental team or your partnership team. We would love to hear from you. And as always, have a wonderful week. Take care. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. 
I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually, 